gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Games. Today is Wednesday, September 11th, and it is Pit Week. Pat, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm ready to turn Pit into a fucking safety school again. Safety school, for those of you who can't see us because we don't put out video content, Pat just made the safety sign that a referee would do, like when Marcus Allen had that safety a couple years ago, and it was incredible. Uh, yeah, I think this is this is an exciting week for us. Uh, we kind of got a lot of our negativity out on the Buffalo episode, which is weird. A 45-13 win. We had we had some things that we were we were talking about, but I feel good. I feel re-energized. I'm ready to go. Um, so for new listeners, if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is our weekly preview. This will be a bit of a shorter episode, getting you excited for the game. Uh, we got a couple quick hitters at the top, and then we'll actually get into the game, talk a little bit about Pitt, talk about how we match up, and then make some predictions. So let's start with the quick hitters. One of the biggest stories, um, really in college football in a, in a, in a while, uh, or at least I think it'll turn into, is there is a bill that has been passed in California that would allow student athletes to make money off of their image, likeness, and namesake, I think is the other word they used. But basically, kids can get ad deals and make money off themselves. A um, lot of controversy over this one. Uh, mainly controversy meaning the NCAA is fucking scumbags and they're trying to stop it. Everyone else in the world with a functioning brain thinks it's a good idea. So before I go on my rants, because I have a lot to say about this, uh, what have you What have you seen? What are you thinking? What have you uh, learned about this? Yeah, I mean, I know the NCAA is not happy about it. I'm very curious to see like what action they actually take, if this goes through. Um, and, you know, I, I will admit I do see the flip side of the argument, which is like this puts small schools at a huge disadvantage in sports. It's very, it's, it's already hard for small schools to compete, but when like you can start paying your athletes and then these uh, schools with like huge fan bases, you make more money based on how, like how big your fan base is. It's going to be really tough for like, you know, these non, you know, powerhouse teams to ever be even remotely successful. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this. I'm going to try not to spend a ton of time on it because we do have a lot of stuff to get through. Um, basically, so yeah, this is a bill that's passed. It's now with, I think the governor has to sign it to make it a law yeah. or something. So it, it's just California State. So for anyone who's not a lawyer or a state law expert, I'm here for you. Uh, kidding. I've done a little bit of research on Google. But here's what I got. If California signs this law, athletes at all California schools, this is... All schools, male sports, female sports, football, baseball, basketball, every, every sport would be able to, again, make money off their own likeness. So it's not, it's not the school saying, here, we're going to pay you money to come here. It's, you know, you can sign autographs and make money for it. You can do sponsorship deals. You can, you can do all those kind of things, um, which is a whole other conversation for another time. Um, the NCAA, and, and I honestly urge all of you to read this statement because it's absurd, their gist of it is, well, that would make it unfair to all these other states, and California would have a leg up on the competition. So they, NCAA, are now threatening to say, if you guys do this, we'll have to deem you ineligible to compete in our postseason and championships because you have unfair recruiting tactics. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, it's true that would be. It would be really bad, but the answer is not telling California (laughs) no. The answer is making it universal at every state and just letting it fucking happen. So, like, I'm going to go on my soapbox. Someone time me. I'm going to try to do, like, 90 seconds or less here. This is my my message to you, Mark Emmert, to the NCAA. You are some of the worst humans alive. You are scumbags. You don't care about the kids. You don't care about fairness. You don't care about the distinction between pro and amateur. 
You care about making money for yourself. And this is ridiculous, ridiculous cover to try to make it sound like you're working on something because they say that. They say they're working on a plan for all students everywhere to be able to make money. If that were true, you would have done it 10 years ago. Like this is so long overdue. I promise you, I was one of the kids who went to Penn State, out of state school, paid a shit ton in tuition, and I hated student athletes during my time who complained about not getting paid because I was like, fuck you, man, I'm still paying off debt. As I've matured and grown up, I've realized that these schools and the NCAA themselves make millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and realistically, letting a kid sell advertisements or let, selling his autographs or whatever, like, that's not going to change anything. So let the fucking kids be themselves. Um, I'm lost in my own rant here. I'll bring it back. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is like, this is the thing when, when you said like, it would make it difficult for, for smaller schools. Here's my, my thing. Like if you allow this universally, I don't think it changes a damn thing because think about it. If you can make money off your image at Alabama or at Middle Tennessee State, you're still going to go to Alabama because you'll have a better opportunity to play on the national stage and go to the NFL and you're probably going to be able to make more money. So like, I, I think it's, I think it's like two in the same or one in the same rather of it's, it's the same thing. Now there's just an element of you can make money off of yourself. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I feel like maybe where some kids would be like, think that a smaller school is going to be a better place for them to develop. Now there's the pressure of, yeah, but I could make money at this school. Yeah, I'm not making money at fucking, I don't know, Troy. Yeah, that, that's fair. But I think, I think that only counts for like the fringe big time players anyway. Right. So like if a kid, if a kid's going to go to, you know, even, even like a, I mean, I don't know, use like a West Virginia or so, something like a mid-level school instead of, you know, a top 10 school, like yeah. if they're, if they're going to go there for the playing time, cause they want to get to the NFL versus like sit on the bench at Clemson, Ohio state, whatever, dude, if you're sitting at the bench on one of these big schools, you're not going to be making a lot of money off your likeness. You know what I mean? So it's like, True. again, this is the big distinction they're, The schools are not just paying kids to go there. It's you can profit off your own stardom. So if you're a bench warmer at Alabama, no one's going to be paying you shit. So that's true. We could talk about this one for hours, and, and maybe on a bye week I will, because there's going to be a lot that comes out of this story. Whether if California signs it, it, it's going to be a shit show, because then it'll be one state versus all the others, and the NCAA will do some ridiculous shit to try to work around it. Uh, and if they don't sign it, it's just another saga in this is absurd, and the kid should be should be able to make money off themselves. So stay tuned. There's a lot coming off of this one. Um, Mark Emmert, go fuck yourself. That's yeah, I we can say. agree on that. All right, on to a different topic. Uh, so we got a couple things here. Um, let's talk NFL quick. So uh, first week of NFL, we actually talked a little bit on our last episode because I think it was Thursday night when we were recording. So we talked mm-hmm. about uh, talked about Allen Robinson had a good game, seven for one hundred two. Adrian Amos had that kind of game ceiling interception. A um, couple of other storylines, nothing too crazy. Uh, Saquon was good, had one hundred and twenty rushing yards, fifty nine on like third or fourth play of the game, which was awesome. Uh, Chris Godwin had a touchdown. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Wake joins the 100 sack club, which is pretty damn cool. Um, not a lot of guys are in that club. That could be completely false. I haven't looked it up. But let's pretend it's an exclusive Very club. Very few guys. Uh, but the biggest news to come out of the NFL for Penn State this week is... Sam Ficken. 
is a New York Jet. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, if you are a new listener to the show, Pat and I are both big Jets fans and have lived in misery for a long, long time. Long week, time. One, week one being another chapter of that. There's a yep. 16 nothing lead. We forced four turnovers and still managed to lose the game. Uh, part of losing that game was some missed kicks. So what do we do? Bring in an absolute legend in Sam fucking Ficken. And I couldn't be more excited. I really couldn't. I can't wait. Like, is he on the team for the whole year? If I had to bet, I'd probably say no because he'll miss something. I'll bring in another kicker. Like, that's just... No, I have faith in him. I have faith in him. But I do have faith. I, I, I hope he's our guy. He'll be on this team all year. I hope so. I hope so. Um, all right, a couple other quick hitters here. Uh, really feel-good story of the week. Uh, so if you remember the Buffalo game, the Buffalo punter, um, I think it was Journey Brown who who got in, blocked the punt, and basically snapped the kid's leg in half. Suffered a really, really bad injury. Um, thankfully, he is doing well. Uh, they got him to, I think it was Hershey, uh, or no, it was Mount Nittany, I think. Mount Nittany Maybe. Hospital. Uh, they got him to one of the local hospitals. Um, you know, he is, he's actually now back in Buffalo with the team. There's a cool video of him rejoining the team today and, you know, him breaking the team down after practice. Uh, but before that, what I thought was really cool, uh, was there a picture is, uh, coach James Franklin, one of his daughters and a couple of the specialists. Uh, I think it was Jordan Stout, Blake Gillikin and Vlad Hilling, uh, went to visit him in the hospital, which I thought was, was really cool. You know, it's a gesture that, you know, they didn't have to do, went out of their way to, to make sure he was okay. And I think like for specialists, it's like, it's like a, Kind of a special fraternity, right? Like yeah. kickers and punters, like for the brand, put together baby. for the brand. Shout out Pat McAfee. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was re- I thought that was really cool. Anything uh, anything on that story? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was that kid if I'd really be that thrilled with with <laughs> like, oh, yeah. coming to visit. So like, yeah, you guys broke my leg. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I'd just be like, hey guys, fuck you, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I honestly don't know how I'd react. But I think that's maybe part of like, like the maybe I'd appreciate the gesture, but like, uh, please leave me alone. Yeah, like be here for ten minutes. Let's take a picture and get out. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I would like to think like kickers and punters have this bond that like no matter what, I wouldn't know. Together. That's true. I was never a kicker. Uh, all right, uh, last one here. Pat Frymuth is your Mackey Award tight end <laughs> of the week. Um, shout out Pat. He had an incredible game. Uh, so the Mackey Award is is awarded to the best tight end in the nation at the end of the year. Some of the awards do this. They'll give out weekly award winners um, and kind of gives you gives you an idea of maybe who might win the, the final one. So pretty cool to see him get that award in week two. Yeah, I look for him to get that at the end of the season. Yeah, I, again, best head in the country. Don't at mm-hmm. me, as the kids would say. All right, so we're going to get into our preview. One last thing I wanted to play here. Um, so in weekly press conferences, uh, you know, James Franklin always speaks during the week, and then typically they let, like, two or three players talk. Um, Antonio Shelton, defensive tackle, was one of the players that talked this week. Uh, and he had he had a tweet or a couple of tweets after the game that I think were a little misunderstood. Basically, he was saying, like, you know, for fans not to disrespect players. And it came off maybe as, like, he didn't care about the fans, but he got a chance to – to clear that up, and I thought it was a really, really kind of nice soundbite from him. So we're going to try to play that right now. Pat, you tell me if you can hear this. First things first, I'd like to say that we appreciate everybody that comes out and supports the game, supports us. Because no, that's really low volume. Player, okay. When you kind of sit back and you really think like these All right, that's not going to happen for this episode, but <laughs> we'll, we'll try it for another time. Um, just go listen to it yourselves. Go on Twitter, look at it. Uh, we're not very technically advanced here. I think we uh, retweeted it, right? 
Yeah, probably. Uh, but basically what he does, and if I haven't, I'll retweet after this. Basically what he says is, we appreciate all the fans. We love and support you guys, We or we love uh, your support for us. We know that there are tons of schools in the country, even in this conference, which is definitely a sh- like a shit on Rutgers, which I think is funny, um, schools even in this conference that don't get that level of support, that don't get 100,000 fans out there every week. So, like, we love you, but he's like, you, if you've never played college football, if you've never played NFL football, like, don't tell us how to do our jobs. Like, I'm not, he's like, he's like, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not going to tell a rocket scientist how to do their job. He's like, we're trying to win. Of course we're trying to win. He's like, everyone wants to be a critic. And, and you know, we get that that comes with the territory. But he told a story about, like, a fan yelling at one of his teammates, like, at the game as they were leaving the field, which is, it's crossing a line. So I, I thought it was really well said by him, um, really just kind of articulated well, got his point across. And, and yeah, like, we're we're part of that, that, like, yeah, we're going to talk some shit from here and there, but, like, we're not yelling at players and we're not actually, like, saying shit. Like, we're fans of the team. We're going to support you guys no matter what. So I thought it kind of correlated to a lot of what we do. Yeah, we, like, live on the edge of that statement in terms of that, you know, we are critical of the team at times. Um, I've probably been more so than you. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're probably more critical of the coaches than the team, if anything. True. Uh, than, like, the players. Uh, yeah, because but I, I like to think we, we stay pretty respectful about it. Yeah. And also very reasonable. Like, I, I don't come out here being like, listen, if I was on the field, here's what I'd be doing. Yeah. I mean, la- because last I'm not week. there because I'm a loser. <laughs> last, week, last week, you even said, you're like, this feels weird, like, talking about superior athletes. Because, like, again, yeah. we're not them, right? We are two fans of the program that like to talk. And yeah, yeah we're going to talk about everything that happens. But yeah, I. I I really respected what he had to say because one part what I loved, he's like, he's like, because that same guy who was yelling at my teammate was probably in the tunnel 10 minutes later asking for an autograph for his kid or asking for a picture like for himself. And like, it's 100% true. Um, so I think something to remember as we get into the thick of this season, as we get into some of the craziest, these are kids. Yes, they are superstars. And yes, they are in the public eye and they understand that. But as much as we're going to give shit and we're going to vent our frustrations, we're not actually talking bad about the kids. Like, yeah. just keep there's, it there's a line, a line you gotta walk. Exactly. Keep it in perspective. So <laughs> yeah. that being said, let's talk some shit about the kids at Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them kids. Fuck those kids. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, uh, this is an exciting matchup um, for historical reasons. I don't know about the actual on the field, but this is the 100th meeting between Penn State and Pitt. Uh, Penn State leads the all-time series 52. 43 and 4. There have been four ties in this That's series. Too many ties. Too many ties. Yeah, um, too many. So I did some detective work and I actually looked up what those ties were. Last one, 1983, 24 24, absolute slobber knocker. Was that a Dan Marino era? Fucked if I know. That was way before my time. I'll look it up. Uh, 1956, 7 to 7, just a snooze fest. And then this blows my mind. 1920 and 1921, so back-to-back years, they had 0-0 ties. Both years. That's terrible. It's not pretty. It's not good at all. That's, uh, you don't want that. But anyway, that's history. Uh, so of this latest installment, uh, you know, the series got reignited in 2016. Everyone remembers we lost. What was the last tie you said? Uh, 1983. Ah, Marino graduated in 82. Oof. So close to having a relevant. I was close. 
Um, all right, so the latest installment, um, you know, like I said, uh, this series reinvigorated in 2016. Everyone remembers that game. We unfortunately lost 42-39, but did go on to win the Big Ten Championship. Mm-hmm. And then these last two years, 2017, 33-14, and then 2018, 51-6, absolute domination, uh, which I think we expect again this week, and we'll get into predictions in a minute. Um the last note that I thought was interesting as I was reading like notes on on the history of not only the series but just kind of these games, uh, Franklin is fifteen and zero in non conference opponents at home in his tenure with Penn State. Okay, who uh, who have we played on the road, not conference? Exactly. So you got to notice that distinction. So Pitt is one of them. That twenty sixteen game was okay. there, but there is one other one that he has lost on the road. Temple. That's the one. Opened up the season with a loss. I, that was that was uh, at the link, right? At the Eagles yeah. Stadium? Yeah. People rude. were calling for him to get fired after that. Yes. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, you got to feel good about 15-0 at home against non-conference opponents. Yes. Uh, so we do have Pitt. This is the Stripe Out. Uh, have you ever been to a Stripe Out? No, I think I was after my time. It's actually pretty cool. So I went to one as an alum, obviously. Um, I took my little brother. It was... I don't know. I think it was the first one they did. It was against Rutgers. And I was like, I was super skeptical because I didn't know how it was going to play out because obviously the whiteout is so iconic. Actually, it was really, really cool. And I think it's only gotten better as the years have gone on because they've coordinated it better. How, um, how do you know? Yeah. Like, so they, hey, here's your tickets. Yep. So you look up, they, they, have it, uh, they have it on their like uh, Penn State football website. Uh, each section um, has a color. So like it's it's obviously alternating, you know, blue, white, blue, white. But you look up your ticket and it tells you what color to wear. And honestly, like people are pretty damn good at it. Like it looked pretty awesome on TV. It always looks good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to play in a factor. Yeah. All right. So let's jump in. Let's jump into Pitt. Uh, We'll talk about them and how they're doing a little bit, and then talk about how we match up. So Pitt is one and one this year. They opened up with a loss to number twenty-five UVA. They lost thirty to fourteen. And then last week they won. They beat Ohio twenty to ten at home. Just an absolute slobber knocker. Twenty to ten against Ohio. Shut up. Um, I, I mean, I have some stats, and, and we'll go through. But over overall, like, I'm not very impressed by their offense. I, I think this is, I think this is a game where our defense can can make a statement. Our offense can find a groove and and hopefully lead us to another blowout. But but let's get into some specifics. What do you see from this team? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a pass-heavy offense, which plays well for us. Uh, their run game isn't, like, horrible this year, but they average, like, roughly three yards a carry. Yeah, it isn't abysmal, but it's not great. And it's also against inferior, I think, defensive lines to ours. Um, the, and even though they're pass-heavy, I don't think they're that great at passing. Uh, but I think that's a strength of ours between the pass rush and uh, we have, I think we have exceptional defensive backs. So I, I look for our defense to dominate this game. And then off, um, like, other side of the ball, I think they could give us some trouble. Uh, they are good against the run. They only gave up 35 rushing yards last week. I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. impressive. What 1.2 yards a carry. It's impressive. And then against Virginia, who they lost to, still only like 130 yards, which isn't bad at all. And... They've been getting some sacks, too. I think three in the first game and six in their last game. So that could also be trouble for us. I think Penn State's got to come out early, establish the pass, because 
if we can do that early, then they can't stack the box. And then that opens up running room for what has been a struggling running game for Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. So starting with their offense, uh, Kenny Pickett, who's their quarterback, uh, had a career game last week with yards, and I think he threw for like 320 or something like that. Yeah, so like 321. They, so they are pass-heavy, but it's not like overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, so he's got and only he's got, one touchdown, I think. Two. Yeah. Two yeah. Touchdowns. He's got he's got two on the so on the season he's got 506 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's been sacked five times. Uh, so their tackles are not fantastic. Uh, their right ta- or sorry, their left tackle who will be charged with defending Nico <coughs> Grossmatos all game because he lines yeah. up pretty exclusively on that right side. Uh, he is a redshirt sophomore who this is his first season starting, so his first game was against Virginia. Um, I think Yitor should feast on him. Yeah. Uh, the other Especially side, if they're pass-heavy and our defensive ends aren't looking for the run that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other side is, uh, I believe, a grad transfer, but he, he hasn't been great yet either. So, so I, I, yeah, I think our defense defensive line um, should be strong this game. Um, you know, they again, he's he's been sacked five times through two games. I think we see that and more in this game. Yeah. Um, they have a couple of playmakers on offense. Uh, they have a running back who's not bad, uh, A.J. Davis. Uh, in the receiving world, uh, Maurice French is pretty good. He's their leading receiver, 16 receptions, 192 yards. Um, one of those was 74 yards, though, so take that for what you will. Um, but, yeah, realistically, their, their offense, I mean, dude, you're scoring 20 points on Ohio at home. I mean, and I, I, I didn't watch the whole game. I, I watched some highlights. They, I mean, I believe they scored most of their points early on and then sputtered out. Um, so I think if we can shut them down early, which I fully expect to happen, we should see a real, real nice performance from the defense this week with their O doing a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I mean, Ohio led up 20 points to Rhode Island, too. Oh, jeez. So, like, <laughs> that, I guess, pits... Offense is Rhode Island. Pitt is Rhode Island. That's what I heard. Okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think their their just style of offense is tailor made for our defense. Yeah. Not only do they not run the ball that great, but the what they do, they're not that great at. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, you look at their defense, like you mentioned. Uh, they are racking up the sacks. They have nine on the season, which is one more than we have. We have only eight. Um, I was looking at actually team team sack leaders. Dude, Florida has 15. Two. Maryland has 12. Illinois has 11. Like, where are these teams coming from? Um, but, yeah, they, they are, they are you know, they got a good pass rush there. Um, and then they do have a couple, of, a couple of really good playmakers in their secondary guys that we recruited heavily back in the day. Uh, yeah. corner, cornerback DeMar Hamlin, and I believe he's a safety, Paris Ford. Um, both guys from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, kind of grew up, or or at least came up in the same circle of like the Miles Sanders, Lamont Wade's, that that crew. Um, you know, the the Whipple, Western yeah. Pennsylvania. Eh, what's eh, I don't remember what it's called. Western yeah, Pennsylvania okay. something athletic league. I don't know. Um, they all grew up in that same area. Heavily, heavily recruited. Um, both came in as high, high prospects. It was actually kind of a shock that they stayed home and went to Pitt. Um, so you got a couple of good, good defenders there. Um, but yeah, I, I think like you said, it's we got a couple of Twitter questions around how our offense is going to develop. This is a game where it almost feels like as outmatched as or as as outmatched Buffalo was against us. Like how we we talked about that talent level, it almost feels like this should be the same or more, which which like isn't true, right? Like yeah. Buffalo is a group of five, Pitt is a power five ACC team. I get the feeling like this is going to be a bigger blowout, and we'll get to predictions, but that's yeah, I mean, sort of what I think. 
I think the reason it could be is because we match up so well with them defensively. There's yeah. no shot. They'll be able to control the ball like Buffalo did and keep the ball out of Penn State's hands. Right, right. Conversely, though, I think their defense matches up better with our offense than Buffalo's did. They, they could give Penn State's offense trouble if we can't establish the pass early. Yeah, yeah, and I think that'll go into a lot of, uh, you know, some of my complaints to Ricky Ronnie uh, last week is like, hey, adapt to adapt early to what you're given and, and draw up a real good game plan for, for you know, strengths against strengths. So uh, let's go to our, our keys and predictions, and then we'll, we'll finish off with some Twitter questions. So keys to victory. Um, again, this should be a win. So what are your keys to a blowout or a strong victory? Uh, like I already said, establish the pass early. That's going to be, I think, probably the biggest thing. Um, yep. If we can do that, they, they can't uh, stack the tackle box. That opens up the run game. And once I think if we're able to get the running game going, they have no shot at stopping us. Uh, so yeah. it's, it, as I say very often here, it's going to come down to the offensive line having a good performance. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really want to see, again, I want to see two or fewer sacks. I love that, actually. That's great. Um, yeah, I have, I have kind of similar ones. Um, so my first one was a, 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 you know, fast start on offense. Obviously, you know, we've, Idaho, we were out quick, um, but Buffalo took a little bit longer. Um, I want to see a quick start. I don't want to be relying on on halftime adjustments in a second half team. I want to see scoring early, scoring often. Um, and then the other one that's been uh, kind of a hot topic in the Twitterverse and on the blogs is uh, Clifford's decision-making. So, I talked a lot about on last week's episode um, sort of some of his underthrown passes and how you know some of those need to be better decisions because you know if you're not going to be able to make the throw and you're going to underthrow it against a better team, those are going to be interceptions. Um, but something we didn't talk about and that people have been really calling out is his learning curve on the read option, where there's been you know a couple of times that he's run with it where he should have handed it off for a big gain, um, and that I think is you know can be a hindrance to the running game maybe just as much as, you know, the, the O-line issues. Absolutely. Um, thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something I didn't notice because I thought he did a good job with the game against Idaho. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a huge deal. I mean, if, if from the get-go the run isn't producing, it tends to not get much better. Yeah, and I think, I think with Idaho, this is the same thing that we said, is like these small inefficiencies just kind of get masked because you're just stronger, better, faster, so you can just dominate. Um, I remember the one I called out was the first drive ever where he like kind of fumbled the snap to Ricky. Um, had he just handed that off, that's an easy seven-yard touchdown for Ricky, but kind of fumbled it, fell, recovered, no problem. Uh, there was at least one in this game to Journey where he should have handed it off and Journey would have had a real nice game. Uh, he took it and got stuffed at the yard at the line of scrimmage. So um, I, I don't think this is a huge knock. I think, uh, you know, you look back, it took Trace a while to kind of figure it out and, and be smart with the decisions too. It's it's something that comes with time, but um, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to it this week. So that's my key to victory is, is better decision-making from our guy, Sean Clifford. All right, don't be surprised if. What are some of your uh, potentially bold predictions for this game? Don't be surprised if we double Pitt's sacked total for the season. Damn it, I had that one. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, yeah. you're saying you're if saying we they get five sacks or more this game? Yeah, yeah, okay, don't be exactly. Surprised. Yes, I, I had the exact same one. I, I my think, notes, my yeah. notes say five plus sacks. <laughs> I think our defensive ends are pissed off after underperforming last game. They're looking that. They feel like they have something to prove. Yep. I think it's a pass-heavy team, so that obviously factors into more sacks. 
and they're just, I, I think they're hungry. These wild dogs want to eat, baby. Absolutely, man. And it is like, you know, we, we can talk all day about, like, is it a rivalry, is it not? Like, yes, it's another week. Yes, it's another game. But I think a lot of a lot of our guys, especially guys that are from Pittsburgh, there might be a little extra juice, juice in that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I had that one, uh, five-plus sacks. I have the one I'm going to say every week until it happens. Don't be surprised if there's a kick or a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, just because I want to manifest that. Like, I don't know if I actually yeah, put it in the universe. Putting it out there, don't be surprised. Kick, punt, uh, return for touchdown. Uh, and then my other one, too, um, I've been a little bit critical on the play calling, and I think this, I think like this game, third game of the season, is where a lot of the fans start itching for like, you know, shakeups in the, the playbook where we want to see some gadget plays and we want to see more jet sweeps and we want to see more things. For me, don't be surprised if the play, playbook remains relatively simple. Um, this is a game where I don't think you need to open up all the bag of tricks to win, and we're about to go into Big Ten play. Um, I, I don't think you show all your cards here. So as much as I want to see more and more creativity, I think we'll see a little bit, but don't be surprised if it's nothing crazy. I like that. All right, so let's wrap up here. Before Twitter questions, we got our Penn State pick em. Uh So the current line, uh, depending on where you look, I got it at 17.5 right now. Penn State 17.5 favorites. Over under is 53. Um, again, Pat, you and I are both three and one on the season, so this this is a big week for us. Uh, what what are you taking? Uh, of course, I'm taking Penn State to cover. There's yeah, no chance I'm not taking that. Seventeen and a half. It's just too easy. Especially like last yeah. year was an absolute domination. I, it's hard not to see that, especially with the anemic offense that. Pitt and it's at trying. home. Um, yeah. Ah, uh, I think I'm gonna take the under though. Ooh, I kind of like that, though, because we'll have different picks, because guess what? I am hammering the over. <laughs> hammering the over. All right, so so what's your score prediction? You're taking a 17.5, but under 53. So what are you predicting? Um, I'm predicting 35 to 6. 35 to 6. We have vastly different predictions. Um I feel good this game. I don't know if it's because I got all the negative aura out on Buffalo okay. and I'm just I'm all back in. I think this is going to be an absolute ass whooping. I do think the offense comes out strong. I got fifty eight to nine. Like fifty eight to nine, Woo, which is baby. super aggressive and super that crazy. I like it because it could it could go that way. The fact I that really matter is, like like yeah. we could just keep them off the field all game because our defense kills them, and yep. just like as a war of attrition, they're eventually our offense breaks through. Yeah, like yeah, that's, that's very possible. possible. Or our offense could just fucking blow right past them as well. Yeah, I just I have I have zero faith in their offense, and like I almost thought about giving them a touchdown, but kept it to nine. They're getting three field goals. That is not a touchdown in the safety. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see their offense doing a lot, and I think because of that, like you said, it, it becomes a time of possession win for us, just out of well, they can't do shit. So and that's pretty similar to what happened in the books. you know last season. Like yeah. they just didn't have the ball. Yeah, you don't have to score scoring. every possession when they go three and out. Like, yeah, more and we would score at will. So, yeah. all right, you got thirty-five to six. I got fifty-eight to nine. Both have covering. You got the under. I got the over. Taking the under. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. All right, let's wrap up with some Twitter questions. We got a couple this week, so thanks to everyone that wrote in. Uh, some of them we've already touched on, so we can kind of breeze through. But definitely some new ones. Uh, so first ones is from Sweens. Shout out Sweens. Uh, says, do you think we can establish the run early this week and control the game script throughout? So I know, Pat, you had said, you know, develop the pass early. What do you think about establishing the run early? Can we do it and control the game? I don't think so. Uh, they've been pretty strong against the run. 
They seem to have a strong defensive line. And even if we could, I would advise against trying it. Really? I would go out and try and establish the pass, make them respect the pass and open up the run. Just because, especially since the run has been so bad this season, to have it start out bad again, I think could be like yeah. a momentum killer. Yeah, I don't hate that answer. Um, I mean, the question is, do you think we can? I have no fucking idea if we can because it's been so tough to judge, right? Like week one was so yeah, high, so hard to week say. two was so low. I will say I think it's very heavily on the minds of James Franklin and Ricky Ronnie. Um, I think it's something they're thinking about and they better be game planning for. So what the game script is, do they do it early or do they open it up with the pass? I, I honestly don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you that. Um, but I think I think it will be something that is very, very heavily on their minds and will be a part of this game. Uh, shout out to Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford. I love you guys. Uh, Oh, Nick Erie. He was my lion. I, of course I got Nick Erie, my guy. Uh, next one comes from Walk On Red Shirt Podcast. So this is a, a podcast that uh, the dude from the Ohio State one that we did yep. last yep. year, uh, he is now on this with a couple of guys. Oh, nice. They talk about everything college football, so shout out to them. I uh, said, so did Buffalo humble Penn State? Yes. Um, yeah. We heard James Franklin a few times last season talk about, you know, that you learn more from losses than you do from wins. I think this was a win that Penn State could learn a lot from because even though they won and they ended up winning big, they also got exposed in some major ways. Big time. Yeah. And that, no, that I, first half was they, – they lost the first half. Yeah. You know? It was ugly. Like, I, I, on the scoreboard and, like, in the moral sense of it, like, we got beat that first half. I actually – I take, like, an optimistic view of the Buffalo game now in that – this might have been like the best thing for Penn State because not only did mm -hmm. they won and they still won big, which is what counts in rankings, but they got they did very much get humbled and exposed. And thing now that there's things they can learn in a situation where they didn't have to sacrifice a win. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, there's a couple more from Walk on Red Shirts, so we'll just run through these. Mm -hmm. uh, does, does Pittsburgh have a signature food, not restaurants? I don't think um, so. Primanti's is their thing, but that's a restaurant, so yeah. a shop. I don't and think they have a signature a, food. It's a sandwich with fries on it, which is yeah. very unimaginative. Okay, so Pitt's, Pitt's signature food is a shit sandwich. Moving on. Um, could, could the Maryland game in a few weeks get weird? Uh, in the words of James Franklin, every game is the same. We are focused on Pitt. In the words of you and I on this podcast, yeah, I think it could. Yeah. I mean, at this um, point, I don't know if it is weird. Yes, yeah, because yeah. that's a, it's a, a matchup of two ranked opponents. It's not yeah. weird if, that, if that's a tight game. Yeah, and we will we will obviously um, talk about them in depth on the preview that week um, and probably even a little bit after the pit game. Um, but I'll say this. They're playing Temple this week. If they put another beat down, which they very likely could, um, they might continue to jump in the rankings. They're 21 right now, I think, and we're 13. They will probably jump into the teams. Yeah, um, they could go you know, on those Yep, so that'll be really, really interesting because, again, it's a weird Friday night game. At Maryland, Maryland has all this new energy. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll get to that more next week. But yes, absolutely. Uh, are fall Saturday weddings ever acceptable? Uh, on bye weeks. Bye weeks. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I actually had someone who did that. Uh, I had a friend who planned their wedding around a bye week, and I love them. Respect them. Uh, respect them. Uh, and then the last one from Walk On Red Shirt: Better tailgate food, burger or hot dog? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, I got to go with burger. 
Oh, you're so wrong. It's You take a hot dog, you put some buff chick dip on top. Oof, it's fantastic. I'm a, I'm a hot dog, hot dog classic. Class. I like a classical, like a mustard, maybe some onion. Yeah, I'm a, if I'm going to eat it regular, like not at a tail, if I'm at a ballpark, it's a ketchup-mustard combo. Got to do it. I've, I've recently deserted ketchup in the, in the hot dog game. I feel like a lot of people have, especially at like my age. Dude, I was a ketchup-only guy for a while. I only started mustard like... Yeah, well, so was I because I, I was a child. <laughs> and I, I, I would, ketchup till I die. The, the, the Colicchios are we're, we're mustard people. You know? Right. We're a mustard right. family in the Colicchio household. Well, I'm still sticking with my... Uh, Buff chick dip on the hot dog. That'll change your life. Interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I do, it's I, weird. It shouldn't work, but it does. I can't decide. Maybe, you know, I can't decide. I love hot dogs. Fuck. Yeah. I'm going hot dogs. Right. I'm going hot dogs, people. We'll have a midweek episode on hot dogs versus hamburgers. Don't worry. Stay tuned. All right. Next one comes from Mike uh, at Penn State Forever. Mike, shout out. Says, it seems as though the playbook opened up in the second half in addition to maybe a bit of a wake-up call. Do you think the playbook will be wide open from the start of this game against Pitt? And if so, will that be enough to change uh, to get a better start to the game? Um, so you heard my opinion. I don't think they're going to open it wide open. I think you'll see a couple more wrinkles, um, maybe a little bit more on, on KJ because um, you know he wasn't quite the focus last week. Um, but no, I, I, think they, I think they try to fix some of the things that they've struggled with. I think they try to work on on that RPO, that option, making sure the decisions are right. Um, I think they work on establishing the run at some point in the game. I don't know when it is, but um, I think this will be somewhat of a, a plain playbook, um, but I don't think you need to be wide open. And if you do need it to be wide open against Pitt, you got a problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be wide open in terms of like creativity, but I think it'll be aggressive. I, th- I think yeah. we're going to be going for big chunks of yards early. Yeah, and I'll, and that's what I'm okay with that. Steam right? routes with Continue. Prime Youth, Prime Youth. K, trying to get KJ involved early, and yep. going to Jahan deep. I, I see all yep. those things happening earlier than usual. Agreed, and that I'm okay with. I just I don't think you see like wrinkles of things that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, Mike also says, do you think Buffalo? Uh, do you think the Buffalo first half played the role of the real first half of the season, and that the adjustments for the second quarter are more indicative of the way the team will play going forward? Not necessarily scoring at will, but overall quality. Yeah, I think that's kind of the same as like, did it humble them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same I, again, yeah. Idaho. Idaho is hard to really judge because they're just completely different level. And we, it, it's like when you when you have like the five star in high school who's just physically better than the competition around him. Like some five stars get to college and they suck because maybe they weren't really five stars. They were just better. They were physically stronger, faster. I don't think you know. I don't think that us not being good analogy makes sense, but I think that was the difference against Idaho. Um, all right, let's see who else we got here. Brandon Beal, shout out my homie Brandon. All right. um, good friend from college, Brandon, and I think Tony might have texted one too. Um, Brandon says, can our D-line stand up to Big Ten offensive lines? Are they only sack generators, or will they be able to stuff the line of scrimmage against the run this year? Uh, I do think they will stand up to Big Ten defensive lines because they did it last year pretty successfully. Big Ten offensive lines. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Um, Big okay. Ten offensive lines. Uh, I mean, we were the fourth leading sack, you know, total in the country, and the one guy who left, Sharif Miller, wasn't even like our biggest sacker. It was Yeter, who's still here. Um, I do have the same worry about him with the uh, stuffing run at the line. It's, it's yeah, hasn't been a strength of ours. Uh, didn't appear to be last week versus most of the game for Buffalo. And we're not that big. We're, we're, we're yeah. more athletic than we are big, and 
big is usually what helps stop, you know, plug those holes in the run game. Yeah, so I think to the first point about about uh, Big Ten offensive lines, that's actually uh, I would lo- I'm going to look back at last seasons because yes, we were fourth in the country in sacks, but I wonder like what percentage of our sacks came from those games? You know, were were there outliers from the non conference games? I, I mean, it's only three games. How how much could it be? No, but yeah, but still, you never know. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a ton of concerns against off- the Big Ten offensive lines. Um, you know, there's a couple games that are always always a little tricky. Um, but I'm not super worried about that. Uh, as far as the you know stuff the stuff the line of scrimmage for the run, it's interesting because we've talked almost exclusively about the defensive ends. We haven't. I don't think I've said Rob Windsor's name once on this podcast all year, um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, PJ must have had a good game last week. I'll give him that. I, I think it'll be very interesting because Rob Windsor is obviously the guy um, at one tackle, and then the other one it's been Antonio Shelton and PJ kind of rotating. Um, PJ's a he's an athletic dude, man. He's a big boy. He is powerful. Um, I don't want to see Antonio Shelton lose reps, but like it'll be interesting to see them kind of make each other better. Um, but I will say, as far as like stuffing the line of scrimmage, um, I think there have been guys in the past that you haven't talked about or you haven't heard about, but have been silent heroes. Um, so most recently you look at Kevin Givens who did it all the time, never got sacks, like had very few sacks, but he would just eat up space and let the edge rushers get there. Um, a couple of years ago, Austin Johnson, uh, Daquan Jones, a lot of guys who have kind of played that part. Um, and I hope Windsor is doing that this year. I'm going to, that's another one I'm going to pay attention to a little bit more this week. I hope Windsor is that guy. Cause I think he has the talent to do it. Um, but Brandon, great question. Yeah. It's a, it's a, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. For the second part of this. For sure. Um, shout out to Brandon and Tony. They all they give me information all the time. I can't take credit for all my own ideas. Uh, we'll get those guys on here one time. We'll Tony Black like, knows uh, what he's talking about, man. He does. Smart, smart dude, man. We'll get uh, we'll get them on here. We'll do like an around the horn type I like episode it. one time. People are sick of hearing my fucking voice. Um, uh, Chris at Lions twenty six says, "What players on Pitt pose the biggest threat? Um, I.e., do we lose any position battles with them?" I think we kind of talked about it. Um, you know, they have a couple of good players in the secondary, a couple of decent wide receivers. I, I don't I don't see any position battles that we're losing. Um, I think the closest one would be in the trenches, their yep. D-line against our O-line. But if we if we can't handle Pitt's D-line, eh, we're going to have a whole lot of problems come Ohio State. Yeah, it'll be a good <laughs> test, though. Because if, if we handle them, and I, like I said, I think two sacks or less, sacks or less. for a team that's – had nine sacks so far this season. We can hold them to two or less. I think that's a solid performance. Yeah, there is one part I forgot to bring up earlier because um, my audio didn't work and I was going to play another clip. Uh, one thing that Coach Franklin said in his press conference um, about talking like what are what are the threats on Pitt, uh, we had a player transfer to Pitt, Johnny Patrician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a safety. He's from Pitt. He's been on, he's been on Penn State for like four years, I think. Um, never really cracked the rotation, didn't play, had some injuries. He transferred to Pitt. Franklin said they actually changed all of their signals before the season. Um, yeah, I, it makes a ton of sense, but it's something I would have never thought about. He said they changed all of their signals on offense and defense because they know they were going against someone who knew all their signs. Um, and they said it, they said they did it before the season because you can't do it week of. It would be way too hard to implement. Um, but isn't that crazy? You change your entire system or your entire signal system one for one player going to pit? Yeah. Kind of wild. Kind of wild, but yeah, he, he talked about how that's like, you know, another effect of the transfer portal. So interesting tidbit. 
Um, all right, I think this is our last questions here. Uh, CJ Scalzetti at CJ Schoon, CJ Goon, shout out, uh, said uh, he has three questions. Number one, could this be the game where we see shorter breakout? Jahan, KJ, and Pat already have. Yeah, I think I would look for that. I guess, I mean, I again, I think we're going to be throwing the ball early. Uh, Justin Short looks like he's been effective in sort of short passes so far. Uh, they seem to have a good pass rush, so we're going to have to get the ball off quick. You could see it. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, because, again, this is this is one of those cases where he was the five-star number one wide receiver in the country. Last year we heard the excuses of he had some injuries. He was taking a little bit of time to you know get up to the speed of the game. Like If it doesn't happen this year, then you got to start thinking of, well, is this the guy we thought he was? I think he's going to be great. I hope it's this week. Um, but, yeah, really good question. Uh, number two, Clifford probably got an earful about his RPO reads and ensuring the running backs get touches right. He has to run it himself less than six times. Not really a question, more of a comment, but thank you, CJ. Um, I don't know if you put a hard number on it. Like, I don't think it's you have to run it less than this times. I think it's about finding the right read, making sure he's diagnosing a defense a little bit better, and, and not forcing things. I think that's what it is. It's getting his head that, like, hey, you don't have to run all the time and be the hero. Like, we don't need you to be that guy. We have these running backs. Try to make the read and, and get them in space. Um, yeah, less than six yeah, times six sounds six right, times. though. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that result, but like, not as a mandate. No, I agree. But it's like one of those things where if he's running it more than six times, maybe a bad sign. Yeah, yeah, true. And I and I think it's a difference too. And I hate doing the comparison game, but we're going to compare it to Trace. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times when Trace had more runs, it was not because he wasn't making the right read or because they were designed. It was because he was extending plays, and it was just yeah. it was happening, right? Um, like if it's if it's if Clifford has eight runs, but Three of them are him, you know, rolling out, extending a play, and picking up six or seven. Sure, you're good. Um, but on the RPOs themselves, yes, I agree. Uh, and then his last question, waiting on Micah's monster game. Maybe here. CJ, I love your optimism. You got Justin Shorter breaking out. You got the running game going off. And you have Micah going for a monster game. Uh, thoughts on Micah Parsons, Pat? Probably not a monster game this week just because I, I don't think they run the ball that much. Yeah, yeah, it'll be. And it's hard for a linebacker to like really stand out in pass coverage. Yeah, and, and that's that's one thing that you know we we've kind of the jury's still out on with Micah in pass coverage. Um, shout out Brandon Beal; he brought up a couple of those things too about how you know he he is super athletic and, and he's super fast and he can he can keep pace, but like we haven't really seen it like coverage downfield yet. Um, so you don't really want to. <laughs> Like, no, but as, as yeah, you know, as a as a weak side linebacker, like you're gonna be covering those tight ends and those flankers and whatnot. Um, I think it's something you have to be able to do. So, will this be a monster game for Micah? I don't know. I I feel like I've said I don't notice so many. Questions. I would expect Sorry. not, just because of yeah, the style of play that I think Pitt's gonna go for. It's gonna be a lot of defensive backs and coverage, and potentially a lot of sacks. I mean, maybe they'll rush him a bunch, and he has like two sacks. That can, that's a pretty monster game for a linebacker. Yeah, that was actually that was my point, right? Or I was gonna go to is um, one not only like um, you know their style of play, but also game script. Like if we do get up early, they're gonna be throwing the ball a ton. They're gonna have to, right? Yeah. Like so. Yeah, I agree. I love seeing Micah rush. I love seeing them mix things up. So yeah, let's let's do that. Let's uh, Micah go get two sacks for us. Make us all happy. Yeah. All I right, don't see him like wrapping up tackles this week. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he's not our you know in the top three. Um, 
is what it is. Yeah. As long as we have, as long as we have a big win, uh, I don't know. I it, it's hard to it's hard to say like this person needs to have a big game because it's, it's always hard to tell the defense too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's it for this week. No, no uh, question from Tony Black. No, he texted earlier, but uh, Tony, if you're uh, if you're listening out there, man, I got nothing. All right, all right. Um, Forgive him. Yeah, he, he texted me. He said, did you record yet? I have a good question. <laughs> I haven't heard from him. All right. uh, Tony, we'll, we'll pick you up next week. Uh, yeah, that's it. We got Pitt this week at home. Stripe out. 110,000 get there. Um, I'm excited for this game. It's it's a noon game, which means for us idiots that live in beautiful Los Angeles, it is a 9 a.m. game. Um, kidding. Los Angeles is great. This is one of the bad things. Uh, I will very much likely be watching this game from my house. I'm not going to go to a bar at 9 a.m. 100%. just not going to happen. So maybe I'll do some more live tweeting. Maybe you guys will get some gifts and stuff. That'll be cool. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing else. Pat, anything for the fans? Um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Penn State, shit on pit. We are.